that uh, we are back in business and people have actually been asking me like it sounds like a bit we're doing but I've had at least five <laughs> people ask me in the last week hey when are you guys doing a new episode I haven't heard you and Alex talk in a minute and it's like wow people actually listen to this not just me well all five of those people should definitely look forward to uh, this getting up sometime in the next three to six months so. <laughs> exactly we're doing we're, we're doing the uh, we're doing the thing like the Wu-Tang album that costs a million dollars. Like, we're only recording certain podcasts and only when a certain amount of people ask for it will we release it. Right. They are getting recorded. It's just up to you to, like, create the, the complex complex set of circumstances to actually be able to listen to them. Yeah, you need to make the needle move. And we're not going to tell you how to make the needle move. You should figure it out. <laughs> And then and then sell the recordings to an evil billionaire. See, I've been saying that since day one. I thought that was part of the business strategy. Was well, apparently it is because yeah. they did it. But yeah, um, <laughs> you know, uh, uh, to returning to tradition, to paraphrase our imaginary friend Merlin, yes. uh, it's you know, it's not even that I'm busy, but I'm just very time constrained. Yeah, uh, has been the theme since I've gotten back, especially from this uh, India trip. Where, you know, if I, I have time in my day to do all of the things that I want to do, but that requires a lot of tight scheduling and creativity. But then there ends up being especially like weekend overrun. So I'm trying to like relearn how to manage my life because um, when you go for years and years not really having a real job in the sense of what people think of as a real job, mm -hmm. like a place where you have to go for, you know, 40 predetermined hours a week plus, um, you get out of certain habits um, that it is, you know, necessary to, to bring back. Totally understandable. I was, uh, I, I know what you mean. I've mostly worked regular determined jobs, but I mean, I do remember like when I was unemployed for a year and then I got a full time job and it took me a little while to remember like, oh, right. Like you do have to set an alarm and you do have to make sure that you have clean clothes and that sort of thing where before I was like, oh, I'll get to it when I get to it. Like when I wake up is when the day starts. <laughs> More even than you have to get up and have clean clothes, it's that you have to wash those clothes at some point over some course of the week, um, or else you will end up doing them at a time when you really don't want to. Right. Not that there's a, never a time that I like really do want to, but there are certain times that I want to less than others. Yeah, like a prime example being yesterday, I woke up and I was laying in bed like a piece of shit. And uh, I was just like, okay, what am I going to do today? And I ran through the 95 things I could do and, like, decided that none of them sounded good. And, like, just when I decided, I was like, maybe I'm going to just stay in bed some more. I remembered. I was like, well, Saturday is the slowest, for what I can tell, outside of the weekday, is the slowest time for the laundromat. And it's like, if I don't go now, I've learned my lesson from going on Sundays. Because much to your point, right. that's when I don't want to go. And that's when everybody right. does it because they're like, crap, I had six days back to back full of stuff. Because I'm in a similar vein to you time-wise in that like I'm busy. I'm probably less busy than you are. But I have enough things going on on a regular basis that, you know, consume my life not just the daily work grind but the hosting of trivia nights and the maintenance of the home and you know the the more responsibilities the more, the less time you get to yourself and uh yeah so i've been dealing with that but yeah so i ended up uh well it was a comedy of errors because uh I, as i'm laying in bed i was like you know what i really need to wash my sheets so i was like great i'm gonna go do laundry like that's what i'm gonna do 
So I get everything ready. I make it all the way to the laundromat. And by the time I'm folding everything, I realize I never washed my sheets because uh, I left them at home. So I had to then also realize like I had to make dinner because I didn't want to order pizza for like the fifth week in a row. Uh, so I was like, fuck. So like it became this this um, complex stratagem of okay well i have to go to the grocery store but i also need to go back and make sure that i can find my sheets and then when i found my sheets the laundromat was or the laundry room here has been closed probably due to a burglary so i had to find another laundromat so i basically had to go to two laundromats in one day and i like going to the laundromat because that's like that's um like that two chains album boats two hashtag meantime but <laughs> I, I've been waiting to bust that reference out for weeks. So when Daddy gets to read his newspaper and you know, yeah, have a little drink. Yeah. Well, actually, it's funny because I I have secretly had a fantasy of getting turned in a laundromat. Like I thought about calling an Uber and just running a fade and then calling an Uber back, but then I realized that's stupid. Uh, <laughs> I mean, I didn't want to be the one to say yeah, it, no. so I'm glad that you came up with that on your oh, own. Oh, yeah. Like, when I was 25, I would have done it, but I'm 32 now almost. It's like, yeah, that's not – that's stupid. Like, Well, not not in such a way that you're orchestrating it. If you somehow happen to end up in those circumstances, maybe that's a fun story. That's fair. But if you're going out of your way to orchestrate being drunk in the laundromat, <laughs> then you just need to rethink your priorities. Exactly. And what you consider to be fun. Exactly. And that's that's what always stops me. Although, that being said, while I was at the laundromat yesterday, uh, there was a woman who walked in with not one, but two Sculpin tall boys. Uh, Sculpin is... Do you know Sculpin? Uh, no. It's a beer brewed by Ballast Point. Uh, it's IPA. It's very, basically whenever anybody jokes, I drink IPAs or actually seriously says I drink IPAs, there is a 69% chance they're referencing that they have Sculpin. Um, Ballast Point is San Diego based, so it's everywhere. I see. Yeah, it's pretty good. They have some varieties. Like, I mean, I, it, when I drink beer, I'm more of a dark beer guy, but uh, yeah. I, I like their varieties because they have like a mango sculpin, they have a habanero sculpin, they have a watermelon sculpin. It's pretty good. But anyway, the point I was making is this woman had two tall boys, like two 32 ounce bottles of, uh, of sculpin, and it was about two in the afternoon. And she was with other people, like it was like a family getting together to do laundry, which I thought was kind of sweet. But I like, don't know if that makes it better or worse. Uh, to me, it makes it better because it's like it's very clear. Like Mama needs her medicine. <laughs> like while she was sitting there, like drinking out of these sculpins, like with one hand chugging, the other hand like throwing shit. Like so, she was sitting. So the you have to imagine the way this laundromat is, is there's a particular machine that a lot of people like to use because it's the biggest one. And so it's next to this weird like island situation they have where there's like chairs and you can plug in like imagine like a long table, but it's like raised and there's Mm -hmm. chairs and like outlets. So it's kind of like a lounge thing. Right. So she's sitting the whole family's taking up this like little island and she's literally swiveling back and forth. She's not getting up. She's swiveling from the table where she's drinking her beer swiveling around to like put more clothes into the machine which is amazing but the laundromat equivalent of like a perfectly able-bodied person using a a rascal scooter uh you know so it was just like i'm sitting there and i'm just like drinking my crappy starbucks coffee and um you know trying to think of a master plan and shooting out some hot tweets and i'm just like sitting there watching this and i'm like that is like i have been a lazy piece of shit sometimes in my life i will give you that but I have never been that lazy. That... Well, and that's the category of laziness where you're actually doing more work than the thing that you think you're avoiding doing. 
That actually sounds a lot harder than just standing up and moving it. It's pretty much the equivalent of like, say you want that ball over there. Why, you'd have to get up. And then over <laughs> just pounds that table. Right. <laughs> exactly. But it, anyway, it, it was this is not going to be uh, Alice's Adventures Through the Laundromat. I just thought it no. was really funny because, um, yeah, like, you have to prioritize. And there are times where I've thought about doing my laundry during the week because I know my roommate does, but I don't have time because I got other things to do, like the trivia nights I host and stuff like that. Yeah, and it's just, you know, at the end of the day, it's hard. But, um, yeah, and, you know, it's made me think a lot about... Um, you know, like, so earlier you mentioned sometimes you just decide that you want to stay in bed. And and I think that's fine. Like, I think it's reasonable for an adult with things to do to acknowledge that a certain percentage of those things to do are not doing things. Whether it's sleeping or, you know, reading or playing a video game or watching TV or whatever it is that it, that you like to do to not do something. I think it's just an, as important to you know, fit those things into your life, yeah. uh, even if they are just sleeping. But True. the problem becomes that when you get really busy, you only have so much time. Right. And this was one of the rare Saturdays. I, like, I woke up earlier than I normally do. Uh, and I'm not going to disclose what time I normally wake up on weekends. But, um, yeah, I woke up and I had that I had that moment, like, the discussion with myself where it's like, you know, you have to do this. And the thing about me is I tend to be a front loader as a planner. Like, I... I'm very good at getting logistics to work so that I can maximize the amount of time I have to myself. And, like, I came to the realization, like, because a friend of mine had invited me to a show, and then another friend of mine was like, oh, let's go get drinks tonight. I was like, um, I'm going to need some hashtag me time, dog. Like, and, and what I realized was because it's an adult day, like... I have to have I have to do a lot of things back to back and by the time I get home I'm not going to want to go out again you know I'm not going to want to go take a shower and get dressed and get ready to go out again because I've been out all day you know I was out of the house 7 plus hours um which right. is like a work day it's like a work day you know I took my clothes I washed them then I had to go to the laundromat then I actually realized around 4 in the afternoon I hadn't eaten anything so I had a spicy chicken sandwich for breakfast um do we ever have this discussion by the way, during the did it come up during the council trials about a spicy chicken for breakfast? <laughs> no, no, about breakfast. Uh, what you qualify as breakfast? Um, I feel like we have talked about that because I'm a person that because I don't like eggs, I take oh I take a looser stance on the definition of breakfast okay. than I mean more the time frame because for example oh I that I, it's yeah. not breakfast if, it, if it's at four o'clock I was gonna just let that one go by no you no. were not <laughs> just um, because it's the first meal you ate doesn't mean it's breakfast you, you just didn't you just fast. didn't eat breakfast you broke the fast no no one thinks that's what it means anymore. <laughs> I do You're, we're, I'm shutting this down right now you lose. <laughs> Um, but I, well, I, you know, I was bringing that up, uh, from the standpoint of, as I have been parceling out my limited time, uh, right. in this last week that has included, uh, like say trying to catch up on Fargo season two, finally, which, oh. ugh, which PS I finally broke down and purchased on iTunes the same day that I found out it became available for free on Hulu, on Hulu. To which I already described. I was so about I to was do it pissed too. about that. Dude, I was about to do it too because I'm dying. Like, I now I'm about to finish The Americans. That's my next project. I loved Fargo season one. I cannot wait. Well, it's there and it's good. And uh, I've been playing Horizon Zero Dawn for the PlayStation 4. Mm -hmm. uh, 
excellent game. But I, I put those things which I am enjoying very much aside because Netflix has released its Iron Fist series. And as we have discussed in the past, I'm a very big fan of Iron Fist. I have, you know, at this period or at this uh, specific moment, I think six Iron Fist figures of some sort, like within mm-hmm. eye shot of where I'm standing. Like, you know, I'm an Iron Fist fan. I was waiting for this and I kind of knew it was going to suck. Right. But I carved out my time so I could watch some of this show. Um, before Before we get to that. Yes. Let me ask you. Of course. Like, so what have you watched of these Netflix Marvel shows thus far? I've watched all of them, actually. Uh, I've seen, what are they? Daredevil, Jessica Jones, Luke Cage. Right. Uh, Two Daredevils, a Luke Cage, Jessica Jones, and then now this one. The only pro- well, I haven't watched Iron Fist. I was gonna say uh, we could talk about it a little bit, but uh, obviously, I'd prefer no spoilers if at all possible. Well, but, um, don't worry. <laughs> yeah, gotcha. Um, yeah, I'm probably gonna start it too, but like, really, my project is I need to watch Fargo because like next Sunday is WrestleMania, so that's count me out. You know what I mean? Like. I'm going to be doing nothing. Actually, I'm getting recruited by my coworker, who is now my Facebook friend, and we text, which is a story in and of itself. But uh, she's recruiting me to go to a Star Wars trivia night. But anyway, that's an aside and a story for another time, probably. But uh, yeah, so uh, I have seen them all. I have seen every single one of them except Iron Fist. And truthfully, the only Marvel property that I haven't like gotten into, I haven't watched any of the Thor movies after the first one, and I just don't care about agents of shield which is strange because as much as i love like espionage and like organizations and shit it just doesn't grab me uh yeah i've watched not a single episode of agents of shield not for any reason i just yeah i'm not particularly uh interested so briefly Mm -hmm. what 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 have you thought i mean are you are you in the bag for these shows yeah um, I think that the, the, okay, normally I disagree with universal criticisms, but I think that one thing they nailed on the head is they're too long. Every one of these episodes, every one of these series, in particular, Luke Cage could have been half the length. Like Luke Cage should have been eight, maybe 10 episodes. Sure. Um, Daredevil season two should have been seven episodes. It should have ended after the Punisher stuff and you could have saved the, um, the hand stuff for season three because it's such a weird tonal shift and you have you watched them all i assume you have so this ends up being the problem right because so stepping retreating to move forward um as (laughs) i'm sure you know iron fist is like the internet's favorite punching bag right now yes um it's become one of those like pylon moments and the thing is it's like i'm i'm not here to defend it uh i'm not going to be like you and batman versus superman and deny the fact that this show is bad i am not denying anything how dare you but please continue but it's also a it's a bit frustrating that this moment is happening because even with something like batman versus superman that i hated i do think it's annoying when like all of the critics kind of coalesce around like competitive bashing of something but also we both agree i don't like dog piles I don't yeah, it, it, it gets very boring and childish after a while. Right. But the other thing about it is that, like, I feel like a lot of the premise of how bad Iron Fist is, is, like, comparing it to how great the other shows are. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I honestly haven't thought that the majority of them have actually been that great. Um, and I think the thing that that 
runs through all of the other shows that keeps them decent. Mm-hmm. That is the problem with Iron Fist is that like in every of the Marvel shows so far, I feel like the casting of the lead is not good. But then what ends up saving it are the like villains and maybe the supporting cast. Right. So like in Daredevil season one, which was fairly compelling, it was much more compelling because Vincent D'Onofrio's Kingpin was compelling more so than Charlie White Man's Daredevil ever was at any point. <laughs> I can't even remember that dude's name. Uh, it's Cox. Um, Charlie Cox. Oh, so it is Charlie. There you go. <laughs> I thought you were doing that as a bit. I thought that was one hundred percent of. I thought I was just kidding. Um, okay. You know. Th- Kristen Ritter is a debate that I'll say for another day because I know I'm in a minority. I don't love her as an actress. I found her kind of one note. But again, I think even putting aside my opinion of it, the thing that people always talk about with how great Jessica Jones is is how great the villain was. And granted, he was probably the most compelling thing about it. But again, it's not really about the lead. Luke Cage guy whose name I also can't remember um, doesn't really capture right I, and I, I was about to call him Mike something so obviously <laughs> it's somewhere in my subconscious yes. um, he is not that great in that show what ends up kind of saving it is you know at least for the portions that I've seen or Mahershala Lee and then Alfre Woodard as like really good villainous supporting cast so then you get to Iron Fist where you've got the same problem where the lead is somewhat miscast but mostly just kind of boring but in this case you don't really have a supporting cast to help make up for it in any sort of way so you really just kind of end up with just a kind of flat boring joyless show like they're all flat and boring and joyless but without the things that normally save them from being like terrible it seems like it's an unintentional version of the um, the whole Robert Altman Coen Brothers last goodbye or long goodbye thing. Like all of these shows, in particular, Luke Cage uh, is probably the biggest offender. It's a show that happens to its lead, and like I agree with you, I like Mike Coulter, but I thought he definitely wasn't like Luke. He they're they're going for the Azarello Luke Cage, where uh-huh. he says things like "sup" and wears a hoodie. Um, which, you know, that's fine if you're into that. But, like, no. Like, I like Luke Cage because I like 1970s, uh, you know, disco shirt Luke Cage and his best boy, uh, Danny Rand. And, right. you know, they go out and have adventures and it's super dope. Like, uh, if you read David Walker's Power Band and Iron Fist, which I recommend because it is pretty good, the first page is a fist bump. So I was yes. like, okay, this guy gets it. I, I, he knows what's going on. Um, but uh, anyway, what I was going to get to is I will defend Kristen Ritter to the ends of the earth because I do love her very much. Uh, and not even just because of Breaking Bad or, you know, my bitch wife, as you like to call it. Um, <laughs> it's because she was so good on Don't Trust the Bee in Apartment 23, which really should have gotten, like, way more steam than it did. That show was incredible. And, like, her, any I've sh- heard that. And any show that gives Eric Andre a platform is a show that I want to be a part of. Sure. But yeah, they're not like, I will say this. Sometimes I have been blinded by my, by my uh, fixation for the characters. Like I love Daredevil. So Daredevil is like probably he's in my rotating top three superheroes. I love him to pieces. I'm actually looking at a um, Daredevil bobblehead that a friend of mine gave me that I've treasured probably more than like actual money or gifts and things like that. You know, I, I love Matt Murdock. But yeah, I'm a, I'm a Daredevil fan as well. Right. And, you know, especially in the first season, part of the reason why that show did largely work is that I do feel like the 
folks in charge mostly got the character. I think it's one of the rare cases, and this is to its credit, because I think we've discussed this on the show before, or maybe even just you and I, but I I am sick and tired of origin stories. Like, I am so tired of origin stories. I don't want to see any more. Just give me an immediate rest superhero. I'll be fine. We'll figure it out. But with Daredevil in particular, that origin story, um, Born Again in particular, or not Born Again, um, for the Electra Saga, um, it's necessary, like... When I remember I saw the first trailer for the show and he was wearing the um, he was wearing the Electra Saga costume, you know, the mm-hmm. the sweatshirt and the the do rag that covers his eyes. I was like, yeah, no, I'm into this. Like they did. Like you said, they, they understand the character It comes from a place of having done the research and like you're you're telling the story that sets you up to like daredevil and then season two the daredevil punisher stuff was did, did you finish all of season two by any chance well i mean i i finished it in the sense that my netflix app complete continued to play the programming until the end of it but i was very heavily checked out yeah by even maybe three or four episodes in. wow okay because i was gonna say i really thought that that could have been a limited i mentioned it earlier on the show but i thought it could have been a really limited six to seven episode series because the daredevil punisher clash is actually pretty interesting uh and i think they did a good job of like the diametric opposition like they even have the scene from welcome back frank that everybody loves between daredevil and punisher are you familiar with that one yeah, yeah. Um, so right, they they did a good job with those little things, but you know, I think they could have cut the Electra thing out. I think Electra was also miscast. It, sh- it should have been it should have been saved for later because the Electra saga on its own is such a good story, like in the comics that you can right. you can work with that. It shouldn't have been shoehorned in to like quote give the fans what they want or whatever bullshit. But and yeah, that like, dynamic I mean, is much more interesting when you have bullseye to triangulate off of it. Yes. and in this case, they really didn't have anything to try off of except for the hand but like the hand is not a character it's not they're they're just like hordes and we get it like the hand when i read daredevil comics i like the ones with the hand but like everybody understands that's a separate sphere of daredevil's life and like it's not interesting when it bleeds into the regular like we know about daredevil's time in japan and like when we have hand stories we have stories that involve the hand you wouldn't have like foggy run in and be like in the middle of this fight like we have a case to solve you know uh, right, the hand like shows up in Daredevil or Wolverine when right. the particular artist just really wants an excuse to draw like them fighting a hundred red which, ninjas, which is chill. That's great. Like, but you know, that's it's like what they say. You know, when you want to draw a fight comic, cool. But like, a fight comic's not going to have a um, a docket put together in the middle of it, right. uh, <laughs> unless I wrote it actually. But that being said, <laughs> um, but yeah, so. The, the reason I bring it up is because, yeah, like, it literally, like, it, it's not literally, but um, it's such a big tonal shift. Like, when the Punisher story arc gets wrapped up, and then it's like, oh, yeah, like, pivot left. It's like, have you been there this whole time, Electra? And she's like, yes, let me, let's go through the whole thing. <laughs> Um, but yeah, the one yeah, I've been, it, honestly, if, the one if I've been it does the feel most. very shoehorned <clears throat> as some kind of fan service that, like, 100%. I'm not really sure was necessary. Uh, yeah, 100%. Um, I they should have saved it if they were going to do it at all. And I mean, of course they are because like, that's arguably the most popular daredevil story. And the reason people are fans, like my, uh, my former publisher at comics bulletin, Jason Sachs, shout out to you, Jason. If you listen to this, he, his favorite comics of all time, period, what he considers to be the best 15 issues of anything ever are, is the Electra saga from, 
from Daredevil. So like respect to that because I, I kind of feel the same way sometimes. But anyway, mm-hmm. we're getting a little bit off track. I ultimately feel like you do. <laughs> the Marvel shows are not super great, but they are fun. Um, I would go to bat for Daredevil, though, uh, season one, and for Jessica Jones, because at least the thing with Jessica Jones is that show had Melissa Rosenberg, who is a very, very good screenwriter, and it had a little bit more heft to it. Like, there's more of a resonant story being told than the other ones. Like, you know, Daredevil's blind, but he kicks ass, and Luke Cage is black in America. And even then, uh, that show had its moments, its, like, flirtations with that, but Jessica Jones in particular, and, like, the um, the representation of, like, abuse and victim culture was... Obviously, it's not perfect. I'm not going to say it's, like, something should be taught in classrooms, but it was a more interesting thing to see. Um, and I think it was executed better than anybody could have anybody else could have done it. like if, it, if that show had a male showrunner like uh, it would have been atrocious but luckily it was Melissa Rosenberg who again like people give her shit because she wrote Twilight but like hey listen she probably knocked out on a weekend and got paid to actually and then actually wrote something she's wanted to write you know what I mean she's, she's yeah dope. yeah I mean Jessica Jones I don't personally like but I'm willing to give it a certain benefit of the doubt but mm-hmm. like that's really it. As much as I really want to like Luke Cage more, you know, again, like, I just really don't feel like they got what could have been fun about that show because they were, they were like, committed to a certain tone for the entire, like, Marvel Netflix arc and are trying to fit Luke Cage and Iron Fist into that rather than letting them be kind of the more fun characters that they should be. Uh, because, like, yeah, we're not getting any, like, fun jive talk or, like, cool kung fu or, like, Danny being the down white guy who lives in Harlem. <laughs> You're just getting, like, Luke being very self-serious and Iron Fist being, like, just wrong. Just wrong. Like, I just Aww. don't think that uh, Game of Thrones blonde guy whose name I can't remember. Finn Jones. That guy has any connection whatsoever with this character. I don't feel like any of the screenwriters like have any uh, connection with this character. And it's just like it's the the whole concept is starting to show a right. little bit of wear in terms of like how they're just being produced as a unit. The thing that turned me off the most to Iron Fist is that interview. And someone told me, oh, it's out of context from like a year ago. But like, nah, man, it was Finn Jones being super whiny. And when he says something about how like we make this show for the fans, not the critics. It's like, man, don't do that. Like, shut up. Like, if the show sucks, it sucks. But like, just say thank you for the paycheck. Say you had a blast doing it. You know, like do the EPK. You don't have like no one is going to quote unquote respect you for speaking out. It's like, okay, so it. Like, don't defend it. No one asks you to do that. Like, Well, and also, you don't do the show for the fans, because I am the fans. Like, right. I am very much the fans. Yeah, you are definitely a big Iron Fist fan. Like, even more than I am, and I love Iron Fist. Yeah, and just, there, there's nothing about this show that is for me as the fans. Wow. Um, but again, I think that's just largely because... I think this whole Marvel Netflix project is getting mm-hmm. a little bit off the rails. Or actually, no, I take that back. It's way too much on the rails. And that they're not letting any of these things have any kind of separate identity. Like, the thing that I think it generally works with the Marvel Cinematic uh, Universe that the Netflix shows don't do is that, like, even though all of them do have certain overlaps for the sake of them all kind of, like, looking and feeling the same... Each of them kind of is allowed to have 
its own tone that is appropriate to that character or the collection of characters, like at least to an extent. You know, the Thor movies and Guardians of the Galaxy are not the same movies. Right. Which or, makes you sense. Know, Doctor Strange and Civil War are not the same movies. And right, it does make sense because like that's how it's supposed to be. That's yeah. kind of the thing with the comic books as well is you don't you don't read a bunch of different Marvel comic books because they're all the same book. Like you read them because they give you different things. Right. And it's funny because when the first Netflix series dropped, when like Daredevil came on and it had such an aggressive tone, I was super into it because I'm like, this works perfectly for like the Daredevil stories you want to tell, which are, you know, like Daredevil's a character who we recognize as being pretty self-serious. Like that guy's been through a lot. Right. Um, and then when the next one came out, which I think was Jessica Jones, if I'm not mistaken, uh, and it had the same tone. It was like, okay, like, this is becoming a little plug-and-play, and and it's not, like, in particular, Luke Luke Cage, in particular, it took me a while to, I ended up restarting that one for that same reason, is at the end of episode seven, you could have called it a day, and you would have had a pretty tight little season, and I love the musicality of it, because, like, Cheo Hodari Coker, who is the showrunner and creator, he's a music journalist, so, like, he gets it, and, like, the fact that every episode is named after a Gangstar song, I'm 200% about that. Fantastic. Exactly, and, like, that's why I remember, like, I looked at the episode titles for Iron Fist, and every one of them was a kung fu move, and I thought, wow, like... (laughs) That's the one thing you guys are gonna get right, isn't it? Like that's the one. Th- er, and I actually don't like to talk like that because I, I do believe in the fact that these are elastic characters. But like that's one thing that makes sense to me as somebody who like if I want to watch an Iron Fist show, I don't want like one called Tabula Rasa like every show has. What is what is every show? In the last Every... 10 years, have to have one episode. Like, we Call get to, it. Call to Vularasa because right. Lost did it. Exactly. Um, yeah, and, and that's because, right, with, with Jessica Jones, that kind of gritty, serious, street-level tone actually still does fit well enough with... Mm-hmm. what that character is at least kind of the more modern version of it and those are my favorite to be honest with you like my favorite characters tend to be the uh the marvel street level like daredevil um iron fist to a degree um those are those are the ones that i enjoy the most and those are the ones i seek out like well and and right it still makes sense for for daredevil for not dare for iron fist and luke to still be those street level characters but that doesn't mean that they can't have different personalities because Absolutely. right the the thing especially in this most modern uh uh this this most recent run of power man and iron fist what i think they do like a really good job of is like making it feel yes very street level but like understanding that something being street level doesn't mean it all has to be you know version 8922 of frank miller batman where you're standing on a rooftop and it's raining (laughs) and it's really gritty like sometimes something can be street level but also like colorful and fun and i think that's another thing that especially in iron fist is extremely apparent is that while they're trying to do the whole like look this is marvel but it's in new york and it's the real new york and there's new york stuff happening and there's all these new york references Whoever it is that wrote these New York references, like, came here for a month and collected (laughs) just enough of them, but doesn't have any actual, like, then this is not a spoiler because it's a very small thing. That's right. But, like, there's one scene where 
Danny has, like, I guess sort of become friends with this, like, homeless guy in the park. Okay. Which, fine, whatever. And at some point, the homeless guy, like, comes up with comes up to him with a sandwich wrapped in foil. And he's like, you know, here, I found this for you. And Danny starts to eat the sandwich. And uh, the homeless guy's like, yeah, chicken parm. Uh, the deli around the corner throws them all out at the end of the night. Now, that sounds like a thing but it's not a thing like there's no deli that just has like a thousand sandwiches <laughs> i was just, just gonna like... say i don't even live in new york and i know that <laughs> right they don't just like make a bunch of sandwiches for no reason and then throw them away at the end of the night unless but it's, it's a mafia like... front right that's like that's just nothing but like you knew that people in new york like to eat a chicken parm sub which okay fine it's a delicious sandwich that's clearly not the problem but right. like they throw out fully foil-wrapped sandwiches at the end of the night? No, that's nothing. <laughs> I was going to ask you, have you gotten to the episode yet where um, Danny eats a chopped cheese and slides <laughs> on his tips <laughs> and, and tells somebody he's going to beat them, he's going to beat him up dead ass? But, like, but, but for real, like, Danny Rand does not eat chicken parm in Central Park. He eats a chopped cheese on 141st Street. Like, One hundo. And well, and you know on. that he and Luke and you know that he and Luke Cage argue over who has the best bodega chopped. Because like that is the best thing about Iron Fist is that he does not like white people. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he didn't. He never asked for this. Like he does not like white women. He does not do any of that. Like he is like, and 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 does it in like a cool sort of way where he's not trying too hard. He just happens to prefer the company of non-white people. Like like most of us. <laughs> I mean, look, I can't blame him. But yeah, like... <laughs> we we can only sit around and talk about cable knit sweaters for so long. <laughs> so again, no spoilers. But yeah, And, yeah, and I haven't even finished the whole thing, so I couldn't really spoil that much of it if I tried. But like, sure. no spoilers. The basic premise uh, is they're trying to do a thing kind of like um, the first Christopher Nolan Batman. I get it. Okay. Right, where, you know, he's been gone, and then one day he shows back up at the corporation, and then there's, like, a power struggle or something to get the power back or something. I don't really know. It doesn't so, even matter. It sounds like it's, like, that uh, Batman adaptation Arrow that's on the CW, because that show has been doing <laughs> Batman Begins for five fucking seasons. I've never and watched love, Arrow, but that oh, sounds about right. Arrow is... The first 12 episodes of Arrow, you absolutely do not need anything from. But the latter half of season one is pretty great. And from then on, it's just so gonzo. Like, it takes itself so seriously that even within the show, it has its own moments of levity. Where they realize, like, the characters... It it becomes organic because at a point, like, his sister and his girlfriend talk about, like, why does he do that voice all the time? (laughs) He's like, do do you... you," They're like, yeah, like, I don't get it. Like, they, they realize that the grimness for the sake of grimness is a little much and like what actually why i like arrow so much is a it's gonzo and insane but b it it it, through no fault of their own those actors found a way to make those characters really work and they have like a really or like you could tell the cast loves showing up and being on set um you know what I mean? Like, they enjoy right. themselves. It's not, like, just the fucking job. So, like... Right. It, Which that, is what is completely missing from so much of these Marvel Netflix every shows. Every single one of them. Nobody looks like they're enjoying themselves at all. At least of all, Rosario Dawson. I feel bad for that poor woman. Oh, She's God. The, yeah, the like link she, between them all. She signed this contract for her and uh, Trinity to, like, be in every show. But then 
they keep shoehorning the characters in in these ways that like just feel like hey this is how we're gonna uh, have a connected uniform universe is rosario dawson and trinity are gonna show up once in a while and suddenly iron fist is gonna need a lawyer and guess who it is it's trinity from the matrix again yay <laughs> but like also p.s i don't care because like no disrespect to carrie Ann moss but like that character is boring as hell jerry hogarth yeah yeah the more the more interesting thing she had was in jessica jones and that got wrapped up like super quickly like right literally the most interesting thing they did was like oh she's a lesbian and it's like okay and like yeah because so what else like what's what else is going on with you right like, oh she's a she's gay like okay i get that but like how do you re- like what kind of representation she likes women didn't i just hear you not listening to me? <laughs> it's a hit voice didn't we tell you she's a lesbian? That's she a new like, thing that's going on. She doesn't like dick. You guys heard about these crazy new homosexuals they got in the big city? We're putting one of them on TV. <laughs> what about her? She doesn't fuck. <laughs> so it's like, I mean, all right. I mean, thanks. I guess, like, yeah. and yeah, and and so thanks this throw me a bone. The, the problem with the critical reception, though, right? Is that I feel like these shows have been getting a. a a pass from a certain from the same people who are now dumping on Iron Fist were like mm-hmm. giving these shows a pass for too long. And yeah. I do think that part of it is that like Jessica Jones kind of hit the came out at the right time so that people were very heavily in the bag for it kind of like politically. And I don't mean to sound like all men's rights activists because like I'm very much down for having a female led Marvel show. But like frankly, I do think that a lot of the critical reception was more about in fact, not even I think, because when you read the reviews, so many of those reviews I read were basically like more about clapping their hands for how like politically savvy it was to finally have a female superhero show right. than anything about the show itself. And then and similarly she's edgy. She drinks and fights and fucks right. like a man would. And then like similarly with the Luke Cage thing, again, like everyone was just really glad to see a Luke Cage show. That, like, I don't think anybody was really looking at it with that good, like, critical eye. But then here comes Iron Fist. And look, you know, the whole thing with with this character and representation is a minefield. And I don't... I'm not here to try to have a strong opinion on it because I am not an Asian person and therefore... Like, I'm not here to tell anybody, like, how to feel about that. But I think kind of the big evidence of how much of a minefield it is, is that, like, there are a lot of conflicting opinions about how do you even approach something like this. Because I've read some very, like, smart and thoughtful think pieces basically saying, look, you know, here's another show uh, uh, about, or, like, another thing about a white guy going and, like, learning magic in Asia and then coming back and being better at Asian magic than all the Asians, and now he knows karate. Shit. Um, So, okay, fine. That kind of makes me want to reevaluate Doctor Strange just as an aside, but go ahead. Well, uh, Doctor Strange definitely got a ton of that, and... Again, I, I'm not here to say that it's unfair because that that's a very valid conversation to have. Sure. And then some of those people were saying, well, hey, like, you know, you should make Iron Fist actually an Asian character and that would help, like, clean some of that stuff up. And, you know, yeah. okay, cool. I'm down with that. Like, I'm not this person who insists that a character always, like, matches the racial makeup of their comic book version. So, sure. okay. But then I also read a lot of equally kind of like, or have read a lot of equally compelling, well-reasoned, think PC type things that are like, you know, 
don't make another show with an Asian guy who knows karate. So you do get mm. in a place where it's like, if you do want to make a show about a guy yeah. who knows karate, it's hard to split the difference between like whether or not it's a good idea to make him Asian. And like, again, I'm not saying that then that like invalidates having that conversation or that I bring that up is, is to say that like one opinion or the other is better. I, I, I just don't know. I'm neutral on all of this. But the fact that that conversation exists at all then makes this show kind of an easy target for this like pile on punching bag, especially since it's also just not very good. I find it fascinating um, because I was just thinking about this now and and you can correct me if I'm wrong, but I don't think that I am. Uh, My recollection of the Iron Fist character in the legacy is obviously he's inspired by like 70s Kung Fu flicks and like he's he's um, he's uh, Saxon. Uh, no, that, that's the actor's name. He's Roper from Enter the Dragon for all intents and purposes, you know, <laughs> right. um, except better. But because um, I mean, as much as I love that movie, we all know that Roper should have died and uh, Jim Kelly should have survived. But, you know, life's not fair. Um, anyway, uh, yeah, like the origin and the story and the continuation of the Iron Fist character has to me been very basic in that yeah there's this guy who went out of his way and you know he he got lost in the mountains and he put his fist into the heart of a dragon and now he's super good at kung fu but like then he came back and like now he's just a dude that fights crimes and like fucks people up like there was no padded element of superiority and like wow look at what this guy can do he's the best one of us yet like he is you know there's the legacy of the iron fist but it it didn't Stand, it wasn't on that pedestal that they're trying to put this character on now uh, and what I mean by that is that like you know now the representation aspect in 2017 comes in which of course I respect and I'm not going to not going to you know crawl over that minefield because this isn't Metal Gear Solid and I won't diffuse <laughs> those minds by crawling over them nope. but nope but what I'm saying is like I find it funny that like when these things happen someone always has to pick a hill to die on you can't just enjoy the the show for what it is and it's it might be a bad show i haven't seen it yet i I bet it is i'm sure you're right but like it has to be taken as a banner and you have to do one way or the other and again not not mining this field at all (laughs) but like who like that's what i meant what i said earlier when i said that um i'm i'm not a uh i'm not not a presentation i'm not a uh a character um how, how do I, a, a literalist as it were, or um, what's that term for when you're this Purist. type of person? Yeah, yeah. What I was going to say is like, what's that term for when you're the kind of dickhead that reads the constitution literally and like, does, does it interpret anything? You just Republican. like, those are, <laughs> nice. those are the words on the page. That's what's written, you know, but, uh, but yeah. And so case in point, uh, there was a very good power man in iron fist comic written by Fred Van Lente, who himself is a person of color, I believe. Uh, and, that had a Dominican teenager playing Power Man, and he was awesome. Right. And then there's, like, sweet little Miles Morales, and then, like, the Iron Fist in that was, like, I don't even remember. I think he was, I think he was European. I, I don't remember, but he, he was a white guy, but still, it wasn't, like, you know, it wasn't uh, the typical white guys. Were, and they were younger, but, like, that's what I mean is it was a good show, or it was a good comic, and they were called Power Man and Iron Fist, but, you know, it, it's it brings me back to something that I don't know many people agree with me, but did you see the original Star Trek or not the original the 2009 Star Trek the the reboot? Uh, yes. Okay. That, I I I remember liking that movie. 
Okay. But I only really kind of watched it the one time at 3 o'clock in the morning, probably sure. a little bit high. I, I adore that movie. I actually really like it quite a bit. And one of the things that happens in the movie is they point out that this movie is taking place in an alternate timeline. Right. And the thing that that worked for that for me was it's reminding you, like, relax, nerd. Like, this isn't Star... This is a version of Star Trek. It's not attempting to overtake or replace the previous versions of Star Trek. So, like... And it, it, it could kind of be a loophole, but I saw it more as, like, an excuse to do your own thing. Like, if you don't like these Star Trek movies, that's great. Don't watch them. Nobody's going to come into your house in the middle of the night and take away your TOS box set. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> right. You people were getting, like, personally offended by that sort of thing. And, like, ultimately what that leads me to is that, like, yeah, would I have liked to see Iron Fist be a non-white guy? Sure. Why not? I mean... Just because he's Danny Rand, a wealthy industrialist, just because he's Karate Batman, uh, <laughs> doesn't mean he has to stay Karate Batman. You know what I mean? Right. Yeah. Ex- right. Like I, I would have been, I would have been totally willing to like see a different interpretation of that concept that maybe wasn't as like hashtag problematic. But then it also did make me think a lot about, and I kind of continue to think about, because the comic book doesn't doesn't really have that feel to it like people don't really complain and some of that is just about like the insular nature of being a comic book fan so i'm not saying that like it's an indication that the comic book is right or whatever but like there is some reason that i can't 100 percent put my finger on why i do agree that the show has like is a little bit questionable on some of that stuff Mm-hmm. Or at least, again, like, I, I certainly agree that that's a valid conversation to be having. Um, whereas I don't really get that same feel from the comic book. And I guess if there's anything that I can think, which is just the problem then with the show in general, is just that, like, in the comic book, if you give a shit, I mean, he's a lesser known character anyway. But mm-hmm. in the comic book, if you do give a shit, like, you get opportunities to know this character and he's likable and kind of sincere and mm-hmm. like again doesn't really hang with a lot of white folks so you don't get that same feeling that you sort of do from the show which has like a very very white cast despite being about new york city <laughs> and like there is this weird element where like He's walking around barefoot for a lot of the first several episodes, kind of like seeming vaguely mystical in some sort of way. Right. But not really in any clear way. I mean, like sidebar, that's a whole nother thing. It's like, I, I do agree that doing origin stories is not a great way to handle these things. But this show both does and doesn't do an origin story in the most annoying way. So like, okay. it doesn't... It doesn't start with, you know, his plane crashing and then we follow him through, like, his years of learning Kung Fu in the mountains. We'll think about that. But... Right. It doesn't do that because that's not really a super compelling show. But it also, I mean, again, I have not gotten to the end of it, so I, I'm not, this is not a spoiler. This is just, like, what I, I have come to understand, that he will not, like, be in costume anywhere by the end of this. And okay. probably I was wondering like, about that. Right. And there's probably like no Luke Cage in it by the end of it. So okay. it takes several episodes before you even really see him do anything to Iron Fisty. Hmm. That I was worried about that as well. And yeah. like on honestly, 
case in point with the original Daredevil series, like he shows up in costume in the 13th episode and it was just like, no, you could have just not. Why? Like save that for the next season, you know, like, and, and secondly, um, to your point about that, I, I, I don't want that. Like, but I understand that my view and how I enjoy these things is different than like your stereotypical, you know, spectrum box checker. And that's the problem is that you make these shows for box checkers. And so like, while I would be perfectly fine with a, a show where like maybe he gets a tracksuit at the end of it and that's chill. Uh, you know, there are people who are going to be upset and, and spend hours and expend energy to discuss how like they feel personally offended that, Iron Fist didn't like say a thing. You know what I mean? Well, and... I'm a little bit that person, but like, but like, but only I, a little I would, bit. I like, would have been talking... willing to not be that guy if they gave me something good. Yeah, and like only um... a li- only a little bit. Like you're you're just like like case in point. Your reaction is like, well, the show kind of sucks. I really like Iron Fist. You're not like fuck Marvel and like how dare they do this to me? I've been right. there since day one. Like you're clutching your Iron Fist figures in rage and you're in front of your mom's house on YouTube, right. <laughs> like ranting but, about it. Although that being said, an Alex Thornton rant about Iron Fist, uh, where you're like, hey guys, it's me. I think I'd watch that. <laughs> <laughs> me like talking directly to a camera in on YouTube. Yeah. What's up? Like and subscribe. <laughs> <laughs> to, to to I'll circle back to that in a minute because that makes me okay. think of something else. But like, okay. um, to briefly wrap up my earlier point, yeah, like they they have him walking around being like that weird, like vaguely mystical Asian character that you roll your eyes at, but then it's even worse because he's a white guy, David Carradine. So, in the comic books, you know, he meditates and does like some like like magic Asian stuff. Right. But not really a whole lot of it. Certainly not in modern times. Like, if you go back to the 70s versions, there is maybe a little... Though, actually, still less of it than you would think. But, like, they don't actually emphasize that too, too heavily in the comic book versions. Whereas, that's immediately where they go in the TV show in a way that, again... And, like, the only actual Asian character that you see very early on is Colleen Wing who like I don't know the the reviews seem to be really proud of how great Colleen Wing is on this show because like A she's the least bad thing and B because like again there's some political reasons why it's great to say that Colleen Wing is great but I don't think they really handled that character like to the fullest extent of how they could but whatever um yeah like pretty quickly they have him like going to her karate school and like being better at karate than her and just this is all this stuff in it where it's just like you have taken something that admittedly had like a danger of being politically insensitive and then actually added stuff into it to make it worse than the version that was like created in the fucking like 70s like how did you take something that was created in the 70s and somehow make it more racially insensitive you lived long enough to see yourself become the villain (laughs) (laughs) exactly like how did you do this but then and maybe there's just an element of like seeing a human being on the screen doing these things versus like a drawing of a person but yeah I I just again I, I don't I don't personally have a very strong opinion on the 
on that kind of cultural and sensitivity aspect of it, but I'm not gonna deny that there's an element of that in there. But on that topic of changing things for mm -hmm. the screen version, right? I, I still, at least once a week, get into an argument with someone over X-Men movies, like in person. Sure. Okay. <laughs> um, I hate those movies. I hate Every single one movies. of them? Uh, yes. Even Did you see Logan? Because I haven't seen Logan Okay, yet. I haven't seen Logan yet. I don't, I don't think I'm going to hate Logan. Uh -huh. But I'm probably not going to like it as much as I need to like it to make up for <laughs> all of them being bad. And I, will I respect also, that because you're you're such a big X fan. Like I, I get that. Right, and I will also say that X two is the least bad out of all of them. <laughs> and I will say that like Deadpool is a good version of what it was trying to be, but Deadpool is a character who I don't like even in the comic books. Wow. Okay. So like those are the things that I can say positive about the X-Men franchise. But I'm definitely a person who does not like the X-Men movies largely because they make dumb changes to the characters. Not because they make changes to the characters, but because they make dumb changes to the characters. Like change things and make them worse and change things that miss the point of why those things were things to begin with. So I was hesitant to engage with uh, Legion, the FX show. Right. Because, and again, I, I can't spoil it because I've only watched the first episode. I, have, but I like, haven't. I keep hearing good things. I know nothing of Legion, the character, so it's all going to be new to me when I get there. Well, so the, in the comic books, Legion is the son of Professor X. Oh, I did know that. Okay. Who is not quite as powerful as, like, say, Franklin Richards, but is along that lines of basically being, a, like, so strong that he can kind of warp reality. Okay. Um. Right. And there's a whole th th that story in the comic books was handled pretty well. wasn't like maybe amazing, and then the character himself doesn't really appear too much. I can't remember if he's supposed to be dead right now or not. But like, you know, there, when the character was introduced, that was basically the premise of it: is that Professor X has had this son the whole time, and like they've kept him locked away because he's like too powerful and kind of crazy and dangerous. Okay. Fine. Now, on the show, at least so far. There has been none of that because while they have, I guess they haven't made it super clear, but it's sort of implied by the creators and the press materials that like on some level it does exist in a world where like the X-Men do exist, but they're not exactly explicit about whether or not that's the same world that like the x-men movies take place the lord knows the x-men movies don't even take place in the same world as each other like <laughs> and like not in the way out. that like intentionally sometimes they don't because there's like a story about changing reality like like the continuity doesn't even hold up through the movie itself sometimes but anyway like it's not clear whether or not this show is supposed to take place within the actual X-Men universe, like as you would know it if you watched the movies. Um, but it seems like they're not. And if it does eventually turn out that he like that they do reveal that he's the son of Professor X or something, that doesn't seem to be where the show is going as far as I've watched it. And I don't know that that's where the show is going from like what I've sort of seen about what I've heard about it. And at first I wasn't going to watch it because I was pissed about that, sure. but I had to have a little bit of a reckoning moment of like, 
I don't like the Mar- the Marvel Netflix shows that are pretty faithful to the characters more often than not. Less so in these last two, but like they, they at least try to go for that. So maybe this whole concept of being faithful to the characters is not actually like a dividing line on whether or not a show is good. Um, and I watched a little bit of Legion and like, I'm going to keep watching it. So far, it seems like it's pretty mm-hmm. interesting. Um, which I know is like the word that we're trying not to use, but so far I don't really have a better word for it. In in this case, it makes perfect sense because like you said, you had a complete lack of interest and it is reeling you in. So it's a perfectly valid word choice. Exactly. It's like in the most literal sense so far, I can say that it has been interesting. Like it is holding my interest and makes me interested in seeing more of it. I don't know whether or not I like it, but I don't dislike it. Okay. Right. I have I have faith in uh, the, the Trinity of Noah Hawley because I've literally liked every single show he's ever worked on mm-hmm. back from when he was um, he created a little known show called The Unusuals. Did you ever watch that? Uh, I didn't. No, it was an ABC show and it was about a, a couple. It was a squad in New York City and they were all like a little bit damaged. Like it had Jeremy Renner. So I was already 50 50 on it. But I really but I really. <laughs> Someone who, speaking of someone who is not interesting in any sense, no. But um, so his character is supposed to be like the cool, tough guy, whatever. You know, like I can't remember what his big deal is. I think he like um, I don't remember what it was. But like Harold Perrineau was on it, and like his character was a dude that was he basically his character was taken from the show and kind of recycled into Sar- Sergeant Terry Jeffers on Brooklyn Nine Nine. Like he's a guy who I think he had been shot on the job. Um, or his partner was killed, so he wears a bulletproof vest everywhere, including like in the shower and to bed. Oh, so wait, was like, this a comedy? Sort of. It was a dramedy. Like, Did this come um, out before or after Lost? Uh, after. It was. Uh, so this was pretty recent then, and Jeremy Renner was in it. Yeah, it was before he was like Jeremy Renner. Like he had been in a couple of movies, and that's the thing is it didn't last very long. It lasted one season, but I really enjoyed that season. And like, what's her name? Um, Amber, not Riley, not Smith. What is her name? Tamblin. Amber Tamblin played. The I kept wanting to say Amber Kaufman, but that's from the <laughs> woman who used to be in the Dirty Projector. So that's definitely not her. <laughs> that definitely not her, uh, unless Amber Tamblin has a dual, a dual life. But yeah, like <laughs> it was, it was a simple premise, but I really liked it because there ended up being a lot more organic comedy to the show, and it was, it was basically like the best way to describe it would be like if the doom patrol were cops just like a kind of bunch of weird misfits okay. um but like they worked and it was a good show and i really enjoyed it it was a lot smarter like it was one of those shows where like the previews were cut to show you like all the jokes and then when you watch the show it's much better because you can see how they got to the uh organically got to those jokes and it's not just like a highlight reel but anyway no holly and i think he had something to do with the americans as well he was a writer on there which i mean this is not going to turn into the Americans cast, though it can very easily because I can I want I do want to talk about the Americans, but I need to have watched even one percent of it before that happens. Oh man, it's I, if you I know Prime. I know, and it sucks because it's getting to the point where it's been on long enough that it's turning into like a bigger commitment to catch up with it. Yeah, and people, the thing I get to is. People are finally listening to me champion it. Like, I finally convinced one of my coworkers to watch it, and she loves it. But, you know, I've been watching The Americans since, I want to say, even... I I was late to the party, but anyway, uh, it was like when season three was about to start. And so they put season one... No, season two. Season two was about to start, so they put season one on Amazon as like a primer. uh, Pun intended. And, uh, yeah, it was was great. That's not bad. 
thank you. He was uh, he was a writer on that, and then like Fargo, the Almighty Fargo is Noah Hawley, and right. so he, I believe, he is the creator, if not the showrunner, on Legion. So I have faith, but with those FX shows, I can't do it with you week to week, because I, if there's anything I think we as a universe can agree we need less of is weekly hot takes on premium cable television shows. Yeah, uh, and as much as I do really respect FX's like slate of programming right now, right. even as a like mildly disgruntled employee of the FX network. Um, <laughs> oh, right. <laughs> um, as much as I do like have, have a lot of respect and love for their current lineup of programming, like, yeah, the reaction to it is kind of annoying through no fault of their own, but it's just like between... Feud and Legion and Fargo and then like when Louis was on and actually yeah. the Americans are starting to get into this territory now like everyone wants to write about an FX show and like I get it they're good shows I'm not here to tell you that they're not good shows and, and like, HBO's on a break like the only thing right. they have right now is like that Big Little Lies miniseries which I think is over and Pete Holmes' show which again I like Pete Holmes I'm going to watch it once it's done because I don't like honestly the only thing keeping me now is i need to watch fargo and i'm waiting for insecure to come back which is in a few months yeah so. So. yeah but yeah. again but right you're not like you're not telling me anything interesting at this point um <laughs> by pointing out to me how compelling the fx show is because like they are compelling and we all know that so say something different about it or move and on. here's here's the interesting thing about talking about the Americans is that like I can't really tell you anything other than the base shit like it's good it's great the character development like the the most interesting thing I can say about it is that the first season can be a little tough for people to get through because what ends up happening is it's one of those shows where it's a it's um the characters are going through a duality of what they're actually experiencing, if that makes sense. Like, they have to go through a mission, but at the same time, like, season one explores their actual relationship as a couple um, because they were they were put together, you know? Like, they're two um, KGB operatives on an, on an extended mission in America. But what ends up happening, and it's not a spoiler because it's really, like, not a thing, but uh, you're watching a couple fall in love in the first season. Like, you're mm-hmm. watching... It's almost like a budding office romance, but, like, with a lot more torture and killing and shit. And, like, Derek Luke has a, a part in the first season, which I, I like him enough in stints. Like, I like Derek Luke for three to four episodes of a TV series or, like, yeah. as, as a bit in a movie. Ultimately, you know, you could keep it moving. Um, like, you can go away and Bokeem Woodbine can come back. Uh, and I say that to tie us back to Fargo season two. And let I, me tell you. I cannot. Yeah. Go ahead. He is quite enjoyable. I in, can't wait. I love him so much. Two. I love quite, him so quite much. an enjoyable character. I think I'm the only person that ever saw the movie caught up, and it was because of how much I like Bokeem Woodbine. You are not the only person, but I didn't we think might so. be the only two. <laughs> I think so, yeah. Uh, and because I liked him so and much in the, the big soundtrack. hit. Nice. I liked him so much because I liked the movie The Big Hit, and he's the best part of the movie The Big Hit, where he's like doing the uh, the grip enhancer, and he talks about how it helps him masturbate, <laughs> but he doesn't say it in those words. Yeah, what wildly underrated actor. Okay, so now so I'm I'm gonna cut off the Americans. Okay, uh, but before we go, I do have a request. So I'm gonna I'm gonna preface this with a couple of things. First, I'm going to give you three minutes, and then I'm cutting you off no matter what. <laughs> okay. 
And I am not asking this because I disagree with your point, but rather because I don't have a strong opinion. And I know that people do have strong opinions that I'm finding out that you share and I want someone to explain it to me. So, okay. Why don't you like Jeremy Renner? Go. Uh, when does my time start? Now. Got it. Uh, because, uh, <laughs> when you go to the yogurt aisle <laughs> and you see there's so many varieties of yogurt, but the one that's on sale is the one you don't want or it's like an off brand and then you buy it cause you're just like, well, I just need to eat yogurt. Um, that is what Jeremy Renner is, is when literally you can't get anyone else to do this you get somebody who's basically a non-entity like there is with one exception he was actually really good in the hurt locker but the reason he's good in the hurt locker is because the role calls for a non-entity it's for a guy that you know you can believably think he's going to kill himself because he has nothing to live for because he is a a, a police sketch artist care version of a person um i think he's boring i i I think he, I really find him to be fascinatingly dull. And like, especially there's, I think it's Cavassier has these commercials where they like point out all the shit he does. And it's like Jeremy Renner, he not only, he not only acts stiffly, but he drinks stiffly and he like writes music and he has a band. And of course there's that scene where of course he has a fucking blues band because again, he's nothing. And he has, yeah, this is the real, this is not an extended bit, but of course, and you're going to love this part when in the commercial, you're going to love this part. He goes on stage, grabs the mic hot with his left hand, flips the fedora on with his right hand, and then they start doing things. And it's like, listen, like, it might as well, if it was a ghost, if it was just like a hat flipping itself onto a microphone and pretending to be Cab Calloway, I'd be down with that. But, like, it's basically, like, a blur of a thing, like, doing it. And it's like, Jeremy Renner for Cavassier. And it's like, listen, the last time I had Cavassier, a guy walked up to me at a party we did a handshake and he said what's cracking and handed me a bottle and told me to take a swig from it that's why i drink not because jeremy renner and the jeremy renner blues explosion oh no yeah he's um he's the elmer's glue of actors i did not know that and it's giving me bruce willis in the seagram's commercial flashbacks but at least he's bruce willis like say what you will bruce willis bruce willis is someone who's memorable there's a reason you cast bruce willis because you want like a guy who's kind of an asshole but likable when you get jeremy renner it's because like tom cruise is like i want a guy who's handsome enough but he's not me you know what i mean <laughs> i was he's not gonna funny. try to rebut you with what about the town but uh, i think this this cavassier commercial now invalidates that he no he's actually really good in the town and I, I really love his line reading where he explains how he got his name gem he's like because the teacher said this one's a gem eh? but uh yeah the thing i like the most about the town is a dress down blake lively um because i am a savage sometimes <laughs> <laughs> all right fair enough yeah, uh, like blake lively being like pack the card have it yad you departed me town <laughs> All right, time. We're done here. <laughs> ding, ding, ding. Why is it so hard to accept the party is over? 
you can with your new friends and her mom jeans and her new friends and she's perfect and I hate it. Oh, so glad you made it. I'm so glad you could come back. Somebody get the tacos. Somebody spark the blood. Let's start the narcos off at episode one. Bring the gin, got the juice. Bring the sin, got that too. Won't you shut up? No, you're my favorite. Say you do, cause it's hard enough you got to treat me like 